Real estate and capital gains taxes. Hey everyone, Adam Bergman here, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. And I got a great episode for you today. We're gonna to talk about how the capital gains tax regime works when you buy real estate. So let me break down this podcast, um, two components. The first, the rules when you buy real estate for a primary residence and how the capital gains tax regime works. And then secondly, for a non-primary residence. So what's a capital gains? It's a tax on a capital asset. So pretty much everything you buy that's not inventory is considered a capital asset, whether it's stock, uh, real estate, business asset, it is deemed capital asset other than inventory like widgets that you sell. So if you buy a home, a house is a capital asset. That's why it's subject to capital gains. If you hold a capital asset less than 12 months, the tax, the capital gains tax you pay is your ordinary income tax rate. That's known as the short-term capital gains rate, and that equals your ordinary income tax rate. Long-term capital gains tax rate is when you hold the capital asset 12 months or more, 12 months in a day. And that is a different tax rate. And there's three components to the long-term capital gains tax rate. There's 0, 15, and 20%. You pay 0% tax if you're married, filed jointly, and you have less than $83,000, you, and you sell an asset, you will have zero capital gains tax. If you make between 83, 35, and 258 or so, you're going to pay 15%. And if you make more than five, well, let me let me just, if you're married, file jointly, sorry, let me just recharacterize that. 15% if you make between 83, 351, and 517. The number I've provided is if you're married, file separate, which no one really does. If you're married, file jointly, and you make more than 83,351, up to 517, you pay 15% rate. If you make more than 517, you pay a 20% rate. Note there's a 3.8% what's known as Obama uh, care tax um, of income over 125. So your 15 will be 18.3 and your 20 will be 20.3 if you're above that threshold. So you clearly wanna hold the asset more than 12 months to get the lower tax rate. Now, if this is a primary resident and you're single, you have a $250,000 exemption. If you're married, it's 500,000. Okay, that means if you buy a home 10 years ago for $100,000 and you sold it for 700,000, you have $600,000 a gain. You get a $500,000 exemption. So you pay long-term capital gains tax on that $100,000. Okay, so you have to live in the house. Um, obviously, it has to be your primary residence. So what happens if you kind of move around? How does it work in terms of deciding whether that home is actually your primary residence? Well, the house can't be your principal residence. You own the property for less than two years in the five-year period. Okay, so in this case, if you satisfy those characteristics, you're going to pay tax on the whole amount. You're not going to get that two hundred fifty or $500,000 exemption. Okay, or you didn't live in the house for at least two years in the five-year period before you sold it. So the IRS wants to make sure that you're not just um, you know, piggybacking and, and hopping from one home to the other and selling and getting capital gains. You, you got to satisfy um, for at least uh, two years out of the five years to get the exemption. So now let's talk about non-primary residence. Okay, you're just buying and selling homes, investment, you're not living in it, you're renting out to third parties. So the holding period still 
stands, right? Short-term capital gains, less than 12 months. Long-term capital gains, more than 12 months. What else do you need to know? You need to know your basis. Basis is a very, very important term for real estate developers or real estate investors, I should say. Basis means generally what you paid for it, okay? Plus, it could be increased by things and also could be decreased by things. So you would increase your um, cost basis by the debt that you use to acquire the real estate. So if you paid 100 grand for real estate and borrowed 100, your basis is $200,000, okay? You would add major improvements, like additions or upgrades, okay? So those are other things you would add to your basis. Now, basis is like a seesaw, or actually, it generally keeps going down um, unless you're getting more debt or doing more improvements, but it can go up and down. It, it could totally uh, vibrate up or down. So what brings it down? Depreciation. That's one big expense that drops your basis down. Insurance payments uh, received due to a casualty, which doesn't really happen much, and sometimes tax credits. But basically, depreciation is the key that reduces your basis. Why does it matter? Well, if you're not using retirement funds and you buy and sell real estate, the way to determine what your capital gains tax rate is you take your basis and take your sale price. And the difference is subject to either short-term or long-term capital gains tax rate based off your holding period. And then you look at your income to decide what that rate is. If it's short-term capital gains, you held it less than 12 months, you look at your ordinary income tax, right? That amount just gets added to all your other ordinary income. And then the tax rate is based off the income in the aggregate. If it's long-term capital gains, then it's either zero, 15 or 20% based off your income. One thing to add is states do add, some states like California and New York do have state capital gains taxes uh, as well. Um, what else to keep in mind? So there's something called depreciation recapture. A lot of people forget about this. A lot of people I talk to that are in the real estate world, they're always like, I love real estate, generates depreciation, I get deductions, losses, I rarely have to pay income tax till I sell the asset. And I say, yeah, you're right, but do you ever think about depreciation recapture? They're always like, yeah, well, what's that? And that means all the depreciation took you have to pay 25% recapture tax basically um, to pay it back. So let's say um, you've taken, I don't know, $5,000 a year for five years, it's 25,000 bucks. When you sell the property, you have to pay 25% on that 25,000 bucks and then the rest will be subject to uh, capital gains tax rate. So just some things that people um, kind of forget. What other taxes can apply? If you're buying real estate, well, obviously there's like closing costs, right? There's property taxes, um, transfer taxes, things like that, that go into um, the termination of the taxes um, that could be owed. Um, what about 1031s, right? If you don't want to pay depreciation recapture, you don't want to pay capital gains, whether it's short term or long term, how do you defer the tax? Something called a 1031 exchange, which is based on section 1031 of the code. A couple of things you need to remember. You need to find a replacement property that should be of equal or greater value of the one you're selling. Um, you have to identify it within 45 days, and then you got to close within 180 days. Okay, so it's a way you're not going to eliminate the tax, but you're going to defer it. Although, if you time it right and you die, <laughs> then you can potentially eliminate it if it's uh, depending on your estate, and then your kids can get a step up basis or, or whoever is your heir to your estate. Um, can get a step up in basis. What's a step up in basis? It means that let's say you bought the asset for 100K and then you die 50 years later, and now it's worth $5 million. 
your kids get a basis of five million, not the 100,000. So all that built-in gain is just evaporates and no one pays tax on it. So that's a strategy a lot of the very wealthy real estate families across the country do. They'll 1031 the hell out of their real estate portfolio until they die. And then they'll pass it to their kids with a step-up basis. So, um, and then how do they make money? Well, the rental income, and then they'll just pull cash out, refinance. Uh, they just won't actually sell the asset. So, um, you know, that's a long-term strategy. But 1031s are, are probably the best strategy if you want to defer, potentially even eliminate any type of tax, depreciation recapture, um, which, is, which is significant if you're, if you're doing big real estate deals, right? The appreciation is huge on, on big um, you know, commercial buildings. Um, so not having to pay that back and deferring it is, is generally an interesting solution. What about retirement accounts? Do they pay capital gains? No, right? That's the beauty of using an IRA to buy real estate. No ordinary income, no capital gains. You don't have to worry about short-term, long-term, holding periods, basis. Doesn't matter. What matters is when you take a distribution, if you're over 59 and a half, you'll pay income tax, not capital gains, but ordinary income tax. If you have a Roth and you're over 59 and a half, and the Roth has been open at least five years, then there's no tax. So I get into this debate all the time. Is it better to own real estate personally or in a retirement account? Well, if you're going to generate losses, generally better to own it personally, right? Because losses flow through if it's owned in an LLC or S-Corp, and you can use those losses, even if it's depreciation, it will reduce your taxable income. IRAs don't get to take advantage of losses. But if it's a cash flow property and it's in an IRA, even if it's not a Roth, the net re the rental income will flow back to the IRA without tax, whereas it could be um, ordinary income to the taxpayer. Um, yes, there may be losses to offset some of that income, but it's still ordinary income. Now, when you sell the asset, if you own it personally, you will pay short or long-term capital gains. In an IRA, there's no tax. But when you pull the money out of an IRA, it is subject to ordinary income tax, unless you have a Roth IRA, which would be tax-free, so long as the Roth has been open at least five years and you're over 59 and a half. Whereas if you have real estate, you get capital gains um, on that income. So listen, it, there's no right or wrong. Some people rather do real estate with personal funds. Others would like to do an IRA. I have a lot of IRA investors that do both, right? They want to diversify their IRA. Most, they have a bunch of IRA assets, stocks, mutual funds, and they just want to diversify and, and get exposure to real estate in their IRA. They also own it personally. They just feel more comfortable with real estate than with um, stocks or mutual funds. So that's obviously their choice. From a tax standpoint, it depends, right? It, it could work out better if you buy personally, depending on the uh, economics of the transaction. And it certainly could work out better in a retirement account, IRA or Roth, Again, depending on the facts and circumstances of the real estate deal. But there you go. In a nutshell, that's how real estate and capital gains tax works. You got to remember a basis, holding periods, and then short and long-term primary residence versus non-primary. And then it's just a matter of doing the math. Don't forget depreciation recapture. And also 1031 could potentially help you defer depreciation recapture and also just defer any gain. So that's it for today's Advent. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, thanks for watching. Um, otherwise, uh, this podcast drops every Tuesday. So uh, you can check it out anytime. If you miss it, no worries. You can pick it up anytime you want, wherever you listen to your podcast or uh, on YouTube. So um, check it out. Um, otherwise, have a great day and I'll talk to everyone again soon.